Well, hi there, guys. Thank you for listening to ABC's podcast today. Our prayer as you listen to this podcast is that it would truly be a blessing. Perhaps it may lead you to Christ for the very first time. Or if you know Christ, it'll definitely lead to a deeper commitment to Christ. But in the same breath, what we don't want is for these podcasts to be a replacement for your church. It just can't be. We believe that the gathering of believers, the local church, matters. It matters to you personally, your family, and the community the church is attached to. God's designed us for community with each other. So yes, we pray this podcast is a blessing, an encouragement, a challenge perhaps, definitely an installment moving you closer to Jesus, and we're excited that you're going to listen. But also know that we, it's not a replacement for church. And may God honor your faith as you listen, as you hear Him, and as you obey. Blessings, everyone. Good morning, church family. My name is Greg Fort. Pastor Ivan asked me to supply for him today and to serve as a spare wheel, if you please. Today, our message will focus on verse 13 in our series on God's reign of grace. Specifically, this passage speaks to how God's grace reigning in our lives will enable us to love and support the saints locally, and also those who are carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. Secondly, God's grace in our lives will be lived out as we love and serve and show hospitality to our brothers and sisters. So let's read the passage together and hear from God through his word. Romans twelve thirteen says, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You know, this text seems pretty simple. If there is a need within the family of God and it is within your power to meet that need, you ought to do it. Go for it. If there are believers in need of hospitality, you should extend an invitation to them and fellowship with them as you do so. I guess we could just take up an offering for those in need We could invite someone home for a braai after church today and close out the service. (laughs) The problem is that every civic organization, believers, unbelievers, different organizations, different communities, that they all do those same things. The question for us then ought to be, what distinguishes us as believers from the rest of the world? Well, fortunately for us, there is so much more here than is immediately obvious. This verse, with the two actions that it describes, need and depend on the correct understanding of the entire context, beginning with Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I would like for us to revisit those. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, this chapter begins with Paul saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and pleasing. When we speak about these mercies of God, what exactly is it that Paul is alluding to, that he's pointing back to? Well, I think there's some undeniable realities about our Christian faith. You and I would acknowledge that the Christian life, becoming a Christian, is totally dependent upon God from beginning to end. Think about it. Apart from the accomplished work of Jesus, there can be no salvation. None of us can save themselves. There are not enough good works in the whole world if they were applied to just one of us, that there would be enough good in those works to provide us with salvation. It takes the shed blood of Christ to satisfy God's wrath towards sin and for us to receive forgiveness for our sins. Secondly, apart from the indwelling Holy Spirit, we could never be sanctified. We could never reflect the image of Jesus Christ. We could never be totally set apart for Christ and become like him. The Holy Spirit seals us. He's actually the guarantor of our inheritance as a believer. Thirdly, apart from God, there would be no heaven. There would be no adoption into his family, no way to enter heaven and to live with God through all of eternity. These are just some of God's mercies to us. And we're totally dependent upon him. You know, this last week in the United States, it's been incredibly cold in places that are not used to the cold. In Oklahoma, where Donna and I pastored before we came to Durban, it was minus 27 degrees Celsius. A friend of mine and his daughter went out to check on their sheep and discovered that in that cold, two lambs had been born. Wow, they were almost frozen. This man and his daughter picked them up, carried them inside, washed them off with warm water, dried them, gave them warm milk to drink, and then wrapped them in blankets and placed them by the fireplace. You would acknowledge with me that those two lambs owe their very lives to those who rescued them. In much the same way, church family, apart from God's grace, we would be condemned, not only to remain in our sin, but to be eternally separated from God in hell. It's reasonable then that we would express our gratitude to God by by, by worshiping him and, and him alone, by offering up to God our very selves, body, soul, and mind. The language in this verse two is actually that of a, of, of, a, of a burnt offering, that as an offering was sacrificed and burned, that, that that sweet savor of roasting meat and the smoke rising up before God was pleasing to him. And in the same way, we offer our lives to God because of his great mercy extended to us. And as we do so, and as we live out a life of faith, that God is honored and glorified, that it's a sweet savor of just a sacrifice to God. And thirdly, we take responsibility over our physical selves to ensure that, that they are only used to glorify God through serving him. Not only does this thing passage speak about undeniable reality, but it also reminds us that there's an, an undeniable expression of faith. I want to show you something that to me was an amazing discovery as I studied this text. 
The word that is translated transformed is also used in Matthew 17 too. Here Jesus goes up the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he's transfigured before them. In other words, Jesus' humanity, which the world had witnessed and understood to be Jesus, was transfigured and Jesus' godness that was within him showed through who he really was on the inside in that moment was allowed to express itself and it overwhelmed his humanity and, and his God nature, the glory of God shone through. Here's the picture. When we are saved, we too are transformed internally. 2 Corinthians 5.17 states it this way. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. So scripturally, when the Holy Spirit moves in and he indwells and, and transforms in us, it's actually expressed this way in John 17, 22 and 23 in what we know of as the high priestly prayer. Jesus' prayer before God as he's on his way to the cross. Jesus says, Father, the glory that you've given me the internal godness, the glory of God within Christ, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Did you catch that? That was remarkable. The glory of Jesus Christ has been given to us and we want to give expression to the glory of Christ within us as we allow God's grace to reign supreme. You know, just this morning in my Bible reading in Exodus 34 that talks about Moses going up the mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive from God the Ten Commandments. Moses asks to see God's glory. God permits Moses to, to see his back after God placed Moses in the cleft of the rock and hid him with his hand, and, and, and Moses is able to witness the glory of God. And then in verse 29, it says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Isn't that remarkable? The result of Moses being in God's presence, talking with God, communing with God, that out of that there was this physical outward manifestation, his very face shone. So brothers and sisters, it's clearly obvious from the scripture that men and women in right relationship with God, transformed by him, having received the glory of Christ within them by the Holy Spirit, that they will give an outward expression to that relationship. Being a believer changes everything about us. Our relationship to God must shine through as we are transformed into the image of Christ. Our Godness, if you please, must shine in and through our lives. There's another part, of another nuance to this idea about being transformed and transfigured that I find fascinating. You would be aware that there is a, a false religion, that there are people that fake, right? That they are followers of Jesus Christ. 
They put on a, a hypocritical, a fake outward expression of faith, but yet their hearts are dark. Would you look with me at 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen to 15? It's Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he says, these men are false apostles. They are deceitful workmen. They disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So while Christ had to allow his glory to shine through his humanity, Satan, on the other hand, is the father of lies. He has no internal truth. He has no light within him. He has no glory within him, no righteousness within him. He is entirely dark and filled with darkness. Therefore, he has to try to disguise who he really is. He has to pretend to be an angel of light. And guess what? His followers have to do exactly the same thing. They have to fake it because they are still in sin. They are still ruled in their hearts by Satan himself. So it appears that we're left with two options. There are those who are genuinely saved by God's grace, God's grace reigning in their hearts, who outwardly manifest God's rich grace in the way they live faith. There are those who try to fake it. Wow. So they're trying to cover up their internal darkness. And they range from people who are really good, morally, uh, you know, morally good men and women, but who are faking that they, because they do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And it goes from that all the way down to just downright scoundrels. But internally, each of them operate out of this deep darkness. My father used to say that what's in the well will come up in the bucket, that what is in our hearts will be expressed through our lives. So in light of this realization, would you hear Paul's admonition once again? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the things that Paul is saying here is that as a believer, please don't cover up your internal righteousness. Don't cover up God's glory. Don't cover up your right relationship with God through Christ. Don't cover up God's grace in your life by putting on the deeds and the customs and the habits of the world. There can be no greater tragedy than hiding or covering up God's grace by living life according to the world's standards. Such living actually denies God's grace in a believer's life and it misrepresents our Savior to the world. So then based on these realities, based on Romans 12, 1 and 2, and making sure that we are transformed and we're living a transformed life, Paul goes on to say some things that speak to our passage this morning. One of them is in verse, verses 3 through 8, that in the life of a true believer, giving rank to God's grace in our lives. The way that we exemplify that, the way that we live out our life is through an attitude of true humility. Humility describes a Christian's attitude who's living a transformed life. 
We are humble because we know that we did nothing to deserve God's grace. We are humble because we know we could not save ourselves. We are humble because we know that everyone is saved in exactly the same way by receiving God's grace and being transformed into the image of Christ by God's Holy Spirit. Then verses 9 to 13, Paul identifies that the way that we live out that true faith is we do it by an expression of agape love, selfless love. So humility describes our attitude. Agape love, selfless love, describes our actions, our activities, the way that we live out our faith. And then, church family, we come to our verse for today, verse 13. These two actions that represent a believer living his life under God's sovereign grace and giving expression to that grace within the family of faith. How we live out our faith life in our family of faith. We are family. We're all saved by God's grace. And so the expressions of God, of God's grace in our relationship to the Christian family Paul says, first of all, that we contribute to the needs of the saints. It's really obvious when you read uh, Acts chapter 2 on uh, to the end of the book of Acts that in the New Testament and as the church was birthed, that offerings were taken and those offerings were used in the family of believers primarily for the extension of the gospel meeting the needs of those who were carrying the gospel to the next town, the next village, the next household. Secondly, they were used to take care of those who could not provide for themselves. Widows, orphans, the the elderly who had no family to take care of them, that the church took care of those people. And thirdly, those offerings were used to take care of leaders and leadership within the context of the church so that they could devote their lives to serving God through taking care of the flock. And so we have this encouragement from this text that as believers, we are to actively look for ways that we can support the work of God that we can support those who cannot take care of themselves and that we are to actively engage in blessing the lives of leaders, right, who've devoted their hearts and their lives toward tending to the flock and and just leading the flock and leading the church to be genuine expressions of, of, of the body of Jesus Christ. Well, secondly, this passage seeks to Um, speaks to our need to seek hospitality, to to seek to be hospitable. It's really interesting, the word that Paul uses for uh, being hospitable, how we do that, is actually the word persecute. It's the same word that Paul uses in verse 14 to speak about those that persecute us. So you you can hear in Paul that he's not talking about an accidental hospitality He's not talking about a convenient hospitality. He's actually talking about looking for ways intentionally every day, looking for ways that we can express hospitality within the family of faith. If you would allow yourself to transport back to when Paul was 
writing this letter to the Romans and think about the, the levels of persecution that were happening every single day, that, that people were being driven from their jobs, they were being driven from their homes. Believers would find themselves on the street. They would find that they had to leave one town to flee to another town to preserve their lives. And they might attend a, a, a worship service and you would see these people who were disheveled and downtrodden. Their clothes were dirty. Maybe they weren't bathed. And you would recognize that here were brothers and sisters who because of persecution were driven from their homes, had lost their jobs, had been driven from their families, and they needed hospitality. And so Paul is saying to the church, if you see people like that, do everything within your power to show hospitality toward them. What do they need? They need shelter. What do they need? They need food. What do they need? They need clothing. What do they need? They need an opportunity, a chance to be able to become contributing members of society again. And Paul is saying, persecute hospitality to them. Where they've been persecuted for the faith, you demonstrate the same level of intensity to see that their needs are being met. Maybe it's a good time to ask the question, what sets apart Christian hospitality from hospitality that is just demonstrated and displayed outside the church? From someone that invites somebody to their house knowing that next week they'll get invited back. Those that do things for others knowing that, that something will be done, that they'll, it will be reciprocated. Well, here was, the, here was the truth. I think I picked out four things. The people to whom Paul was asking the church at Rome to extend hospitality to may not be known to those who were asked to give that hospitality. It's probably very real, secondly, that they would not be able to reciprocate, that they could do nothing back, nothing to show their appreciation apart from a heartfelt thank you. Thirdly, that kind of hospitality is always costly. It would be inconvenient. Paul was asking them to bring people into their home that was probably already crowded. Paul was asking them to share food when maybe they didn't already have enough food to meet the full needs of their own family. Hmm. So it wasn't convenient. It was going to cost them something. That is the kind of hospitality that Paul is asking the church at Rome to prosecute, to give. And fourthly, it was a kind of hospitality that would be extended without any expectation of receiving anything in return. That that is how we, out of humility and out of selfless love, we are to demonstrate, to allow the grace of God ruling and reigning in our hearts and lives to show itself. So brothers and sisters, finally, genuine faith displays Christ actively in the lives that we lead. Our faith speaks to how we behave toward others within and without the church. It starts with our own family, but it extends to all of those who are around us. I want to suggest to you this week that we actively seek specific ways to bless the lives of those within the family of faith that we look for ways that we can express genuine hospitality toward others. One thing that we could do is we call them random acts of kindness. In other words, we see somebody that has a need and we just respond and we meet that need. 
Maybe it's paying for someone's meal. Maybe it's providing cold water to the trash crew when they come around for your garbage this week. Maybe even giving cold water to those that dig through your trash bags. Maybe it's sending cards of encouragement to other believers, emails, letters, texts. Maybe it's carrying a meal to your neighbor. Would you let Christ shine in and through you as you actively seek this week to to let the, the reign of God's grace in your life, let it out. Let it shine through your humanity. Let it shine through you when you would normally want to be angry or frustrated. Let the glory of Jesus Christ within you shine through your humanity to touch the lives of other believers around you. Give expression through your actions to the reality that God's grace genuinely rules and reigns in your life. Here's what I know. I know three things. God will be blessed. He will be glorified. Secondly, I know that God will just administer himself to you in amazing ways. And thirdly, the world, the world around you will be pretty shocked if you give full expression to God's grace ruling and reigning in your life. I'd like to pray for you that you would live an amazing life of allowing the glory of God in you to be seen and shown and expressed as you meet the needs of saints around you and as you extend hospitality to those in need. Let me pray. So Father God, would you enable us to extend hospitality, to meet the needs of the saints. Father, may we seek for ways to actively engage with those who who are carrying the gospel to those who've never heard. May we love them, encourage them, bless them. Father, may we bless those that you've placed in in authority over us in the realm of the church. May we look for ways just to make their burden lighter, to encourage them, to provide blessing to them. And Father, may we extend hospitality. May we just live a life of of free-flowing grace this week. And I know, Father, as we do so, that you will be honored, you will be glorified and your kingdom will be extended. We love you and praise you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Church family, may God bless you. Look forward to hearing exciting stories of how God uses you as you give free reign to grace this week. God bless. Thanks for listening to our ABC podcast today. If you'd like to know more about ABC, then please check us out on Facebook, on YouTube, or our website. We also have resources we'd like to share freely to everyone uh, through Right Now Media. We have a channel with them and we'd love to share you that link. Just email us on totibaptists at gmail.com or WhatsApp us directly on 079-033-228 and we'll get you in touch with those links and resources. If you have a prayer request or an item of praise or a question, then also feel free to get in touch with us via those links. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and give you His peace. Thank you.